Hello there, faithful listener. You've tuned in to season seven of the Bible Explained podcast. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee because today we are going to be discussing the book of Acts. Well, hello and happy Tuesday, friends and faithful listeners. I hope that you are enjoying your week so far. Now, if you have not gotten the chance yet to go over to my YouTube channel, I really highly recommend that you do because the interview that I've been talking about for a month is finally up. I told you guys about a month ago that it would be up in a few days, (laughs) but now it is up and it was worth the wait. It is a very, very good interview. In fact, I think it's one of the best interviews I've ever done. The guy who I interviewed, his name is Jeff. He's a personal friend of my husband and I. He got into a serious motorcycle accident that left him in a wheelchair. And he actually talks about his faith, his dark days, the pain he still experiences, and how he gets through all of that by leaning on God. It was a very powerful interview. And I recommend everybody listen to it because especially men, I think any man listening to this podcast right now will really gain something out of listening to Jeff's testimony for sure. So I am going to have that testimony linked in the description of this episode so that you can quickly navigate over there and listen to that after you're done listening to this episode, (laughs) which happens to be in Acts chapter 20 verses 25 through 38 today. And as I usually do not, I'm going to be reading at the AMP version of scripture. And what we're reading today is Paul talking to the Ephesian elders. And he's saying goodbye to them because Paul actually does not know if he's ever going to see them again, because he's about to head to Jerusalem. And he knows that there are some persecutions heading his way. He doesn't know if he's going to die or not. And so he is telling the Ephesian elders goodbye. So now We're going to be reading Acts chapter 20, verses 25 through 38 today. And now listen carefully. I know that none of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will see me again. For that reason, I testify to you on this, our parting day, that I am innocent of the blood of all people. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose and plan of God. Take care and be on guard for yourselves and for the whole flock over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd, tend, feed, and guide the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I am gone, false teachers like ferocious wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Even from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse and distorted things, to draw away the disciples after themselves as their own followers. Therefore, be continually alert, remembering that for three years, night or day, I did not stop admonishing and advising each one of you with tears. And now I commend you to God, placing you in his protective, loving care. And I commend you to the word of his grace, the counsel and promises of his unmerited favor. His grace is able to build you up and to give you the rightful inheritance among all those who are sanctified, that is, among those who are set apart for God's purpose, all believers. I had no desire for anyone's silver or gold or expensive clothes. You know personally that these hands ministered to my own needs, working in manual labor and to those of the people who are with me. In everything I showed you by example that by working hard in this way, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed and brings greater joy to give than to receive. 
When he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they began to weep openly. And they threw their arms around Paul's neck and repeatedly kissed him, grieving and distressed, especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see him again. And they accompanied him to the ship. The reason I chose to read out the AMP version this morning is because it is very deep. Like you can feel the emotion in this entire passage, just how upset and sad these elders were to potentially never see Paul ever again. Just the fact that they were openly crying and kissing him and hugging him and just grieving over the fact that they were not going to see Paul. And you can see that Paul himself is also very distressed and very sad. And that was why Paul gave these last words to them. I talked the other day on Thursday about Paul himself and whether or not he was a humble man, because a lot of people think that Paul was not very humble because he said things like imitate me as I imitate Christ. And even here, he's talking about how, you know, he worked with his hands and he set a good example, but he's not saying these things so that the elders will, you know, give him praise or glory. He's saying these things because Paul thinks of himself as the worst of men. He actually says that about himself. He says, I am the worst of men. But even he, being the worst of men, did his best to follow Christ. He set an example. So he says to these elders in verse 26, he says, I testify to you on our parting day that I am innocent of the blood of all people. And what does that mean? I actually did not know what this meant when I initially read it out of the WEB version. And that was another reason why I switched over to the AMP. The AMP gave me a broader understanding of what this verse meant. And that's why it's really good to, to cross-reference with other versions of scripture. Because sometimes one version will just state something in a way that makes more sense to you. And so that's why I really like jumping around different uh, versions of scripture. And I'm not an advocate for, you know, you can only read this version. This is the only holy version. I will never advocate for that because I believe that all scripture is God ordained and God breathed. But of course it has to be scripture. There are certainly bad versions out there. You have to be very careful because they don't give the entire gospel message or they add or subtract words. You have to be very careful. But for the most part, I do believe that it is good to cross-reference different versions of scripture with each other because sometimes you'll see a verse that you know doesn't make sense to you in one version but if you move over to a different version it will make a lot of sense and so that's why another reason today I chose the AMP to read out of I didn't initially know what verse 26 meant when Paul says that he was innocent of the blood of all people but if you read verse 27 it explains it for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose and plan of God so what Paul is saying there, he is innocent of what the person does after they receive the gospel message, if that makes sense. Paul did his utmost to declare the gospel message to Ephesus for three years. He held nothing back. He declared the entire purpose and plan of God to the Ephesians. And so he was innocent in that regard. 
Now, if Paul would have gone into Ephesus preaching some other gospel or teaching something else or, you know, spreading idolatry or something along those lines, he would not be innocent of the blood of all people. He would have blood on his hands, in a sense, by teaching something that was false to the Ephesians. And so that is what Paul means when he says, I am innocent of the blood of all people. He did his best to spread the gospel message, but the people themselves had to choose whether or not they wanted to believe in that gospel message. So then he says, but take care and be on guard for yourselves and for the whole flock, because in verse 29, I know that after I am gone, false teachers like ferocious wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock and even people from among yourselves. Men will arise speaking perverse and distorted things to draw away the disciples after themselves. So what Paul is saying there is that there are going to be people in the church who arise up as leaders and claim that they know the gospel message and who are going to come in and they're going to be like ferocious wolves attacking the flock. And they're not going to spare anybody. They're going to do this because they don't actually care about the gospel message at all. They don't care about God. All they care about is gaining followers for themselves. And unfortunately, this is such a huge, huge problem in churches across the entire world. That's why we hear so many bad stories about this pastor doing this or this priest doing that or something along those lines. We're always hearing terrible stories about a pastor mistreating somebody or about people that are being mistreated in the churches. And that is because false teachers arise up like ravenous wolves. And they're often very charming. They often gain power because they are initially kind. They're initially charismatic. And so they gain this following of people who are very supportive of them. But yet these pastors are only doing this to gain followers for themselves. I'm sure you guys know the story of Jim Jones. He was certainly one of those pastors. A lot of people really, really liked Jim Jones. And then all of a sudden he's, he's going more and more off the deep end. And he starts calling himself Jesus and saying that he in fact is God. And he's, you know, getting more and more psychotic as the years go on. And then finally, what did he do? He brought all of his followers, some 900 people, I think down to South America and then fed them poison Kool-Aid. So Jim Jones is certainly an example of a ravenous wolf that attacked the sheep. And we have to be very, very careful of people like this in the church because those types of people, Satan uses them, right, to cause disunity in the church, first and foremost. And secondly, he uses them to hurt individuals so that those individuals never want to come back to church again and that church always will be remembered by them as something bad that happened to them instead of what church is really supposed to be. Church is supposed to be a unified organization of believers that come together to build each other up, to eat with each other, to fellowship with each other, to pray for each other, to worship together. When church is done right, it is so powerful. It is so fun. It is so exciting. 
And Satan, the adversary, certainly doesn't want church to be fun and exciting and worshipful. Because if it is, then people are going to flock to that. Satan does his best to make sure that it's the opposite of that, that church in general is the opposite of that. And he unfortunately succeeds a lot of times because these false teachers that Paul warns about and Peter warns about and Jesus warns about, these false teachers, they come in and destroy the church that the faithful built up. So Paul warns the elders about false teachers like this because the elders are supposed to safeguard the church. That is the point of elders. I had somebody recently on YouTube, I think it was, <laughs> um, tell me that there's no such thing in scripture as an organized elder board. But that person was wrong because right here, Paul is talking to these elders of the Ephesian church, these leaders of the Ephesian church. And he's telling them to safeguard the church from false teachers that are going to come in and potentially cause this disunity and hurt in these churches. So a functional elder board looks like a group of men who basically just safeguard the church and check on everything and make sure everything lines up in scripture, everything that's going on in the church. And so that's why it's very important for elders to be vetted to make sure that the elders themselves are not, you know, false teachers themselves to make sure that they also are not preaching or teaching a message that is contrary to what scripture teaches. That's why moving forward in verse 31, it says, therefore be continually alert, remembering that for three years, night and day, I did not stop admonishing and advising each one of you with tears. So Paul says, be continually alert for what's going on in the church. And don't forget what I've taught you through many tears for the past three years. And then he says, and now I commend you to God, placing you in his protective, loving care. And I commend you to the word of his grace, the counsel and promises of his unmerited favor. His grace is able to build you up and give you the rightful inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That is among those who are set apart for God's purpose, all believers. So what Paul is saying here is that if these elders remain continually alert and remember their teaching, that God will protect them and that God's grace will basically extend on the Ephesian church to continue to build up the church. And then Paul goes into one more thing. He says, in verse 33, I had no desire for anyone's silver or gold or expensive clothes. You know personally that these hands ministered to my own needs, working in manual labor and to those of the people who are with me. So why does Paul talk about his finances here? And why does he tell them, you know, I never desired your gold, silver or fancy clothes? Because he's reminding them what a healthy pastor and leader and elder does. A healthy pastor does not worry about expensive clothes, does not worry about what's in style right now or the best fashion. A healthy pastor has no greed either in money or in material possession or in clothes or anything like that. A healthy pastor, elder or ministry leader thinks first about the spiritual needs of his flock before he thinks about 
his own material needs. Because the spiritual needs of other people are far more important than any fancy clothes, fancy car, fancy new shoes. The spiritual needs of the flock are far more important than material possession, if that makes sense. And so Paul says here in verse 34, you know personally that these hands, meaning his own hands, ministered to my own needs working in manual labor and to those of the people who are with me. So he says, I worked as a tent maker (laughs) alongside you guys. You know, I made sure that I was taking care of my own needs and not just mooching off of you guys. But if a teacher comes in who is just mooching and expecting and being very greedy with finances or with material possession or something along those lines, there is a possibility that that teacher is a false teacher. So be aware of that is what he says. So basically, be aware if you have a pastor or elders who are overly concerned with material possession, be on the lookout for that. And Paul says that same exact thing here to these Ephesian elders. Be on the lookout for greed in your pastor. So then he says, in everything I showed you by example, that by working hard in this way, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself says, it is more blessed and brings greater joy to give than to receive. That's a beautiful, beautiful ending of Paul's sermon here. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And that is so true. I know for me, I love to give gifts to people because the look of joy on their face is just so exciting to me. And my husband, he's a little bit more difficult because because I enjoy giving him gifts, but a lot of times he doesn't show a lot of emotion. I'm like, I didn't like that. So it's always really, really fun when I just get it right with my husband and he really likes the gift, I can just tell. And it's so exciting. Those are like my best days is when I get a gift for my husband and he actually seems touched, you know, that I gave him that gift. It's so much fun. And it's a lot more fun than when my husband gives me gifts. <laughs> because my husband, he, he's a gift giver. That is his love language. Whether it's a candy bar or something small like that, he just enjoys giving gifts. And so he'll give me a gift. And, you know, every single time it is more fun for me to give him a gift than it is to receive a gift from him. And so that verse is so true. You know, it's so much, it's so much more fun to give a gift than it is to receive a gift because you have like this satisfaction of making somebody else happy with what you did. And it doesn't even have to be giving gifts. It could be giving time or energy. It actually says in scripture that God loves the cheerful giver. So not only do you have the satisfaction of giving something to somebody and seeing their reaction and just enjoying how it makes them feel, but you also have the satisfaction of knowing that God absolutely loved the gift that you gave that person. He actually looked at that and smiled. He loves a cheerful giver. And there really is something so rewarding to giving time or energy or gifts to somebody who is in need, especially. So Paul ends his sermon here, telling the elders everything to watch out for, for a potential false teacher and to recap on what those are. 
A false teacher is someone who comes in and causes disunity and teaches something that is contrary to what scripture teaches. It's also a person who potentially has a lot of greed in their heart and doesn't give to other people. Instead, expects the flock to give to him and doesn't give anything to the flock spiritually. And he tells the elders to watch out for false teachers like that. And it says, when he said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them all. And they began to weep openly and threw their arms around Paul's neck and repeatedly kissed him, grieving and distressed, especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see him again. And then they accompanied him to the ship. So all these elders now know that Paul might be going to Jerusalem to die. And they may never see him again. And that was what distressed them the most. But Paul in his sermon did say to them that they were ready for whatever came ahead because God was going to sustain the Ephesian church. I know I plugged this at the beginning of the episode, but I just want to share a short snippet of the YouTube video I just put up with Jeff's story, the man who got into the motorcycle accident. And here it is. The dark days was just me being at home and not being able to do anything. And I dreaded when night came because I would lay in bed and I couldn't sleep. There's so many things going through my head about what is next. What is next? And I was anxious about things. And I had to constantly pray to the Lord. Lord, help me to know that you have a purpose for me and you're going to lead me in the right, in the right way. Once I understood that and gave that up, everything just... Uh, Everything just flowed together about how my life is now. And like I say, spiritually, I would do it all over again. Physically, eh, I'm not really into it. But but spiritually, the heart transformation that happened through that, I see things a lot different. I understand things a lot different. I enjoy every day I get up and, uh, and I can look outside, whether it's rain, snow, or sunny. I'm thankful to be here because I know there's something he wants me to do. So as you can see, that's pretty powerful stuff. And so I'd love for all of you to go over to YouTube and check that out. That is linked in the description of this episode. Faithful listeners, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your Tuesday. And as always, happy listening and God bless.